Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you are listening to Nobody Cares, except for me. I'm your host, Auntie Donahue, and... um. I mean, we're just going to cut to the chase because also, like, nobody wants a long intro ever in the history of podcasts, um, unless you're very funny. And I am, but um, I'm better when I'm talking to somebody else. So today, our guest is a friend of mine, obviously, because um, I'm a nepotist. And also, she is very, very funny, very cool. Uh, She's an actor. She is somebody that I've never gotten to hang out with until this moment one-on-one, which is very strange because we should have probably hung out and had dinner already because we've talked about it like 14 times. But today, may I introduce to you Tess Degenstein. Degenstein? Degenstein, Degenstein. God damn it. Oh, my God. I literally had her put it out on the internet into my face like a million times. And I'm like, I understand how words work. Why don't you say your full name, Tess? Well, it's Tess Degenstein. Correct. But honestly, I'll take whatever. No. If I would have taken you out for dinner at this point, you uh, you would have gotten it. Listen, it's my bad. No, you didn't, don't you dare estimate me to be like, I w- that is like, I wouldn't have. I would have just been like, testies in the house. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're wearing a shirt that's very appropriate for our topic today. Yes. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt. I got it from Value Village and I'm pretty sure it's homemade mm. because there's a lot of small mistakes in it. Yeah, but perfect, perfectly like homemade. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do know what you mean. I love this shirt. It's got a, it's got kind of a, a, a faux turtleneck going on, but at the top it kind of transitions into lace. Yes. As if it were, um, I'm, I'm going to say a figure skating costume is what oh, I always imagine God. it to be, yeah. but a figure skating costume with like a wide waist, which is really ideal for me. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Think for everybody. Even yeah, you want it skaters. to billow. It also has a bit of a puffy sleeve. It's got some like plastic faux pearl buttons on it. Let's not, pre- let's say they're real. And just pretend okay. you're sitting here wearing a lot of pearls. Let's say I'm wearing a lot of pearls. And let's say the turtleneck is real. I'm just wearing a lot of pearls and a real turtleneck. And why Why would you be wearing those things? What would we be talking about today? I'm, I'm wearing this blouse because uh, I want to talk about the film Sense and Sensibility. Oh, my God. This the is... 1996 masterpiece directed by Ang Lee starring Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet. And our good friend, the late Alan Rickman. Yes, incredible. And Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant kind of uh, gets uh, circles acted around him by all the brilliant British character actors 100%. in the film. But he's trying. His collar is very starched. He's doing his best. It is uh, It is stiff as a board. Yes. Much <laughs> like his Much performance. Much like the character he plays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, why did you choose this? Why do you care about Sense and Sensibility, the cinematic experience? Well, when you asked me to do this podcast, I really racked my brain because I actually, when I am obsessed with something, I'm usually quite private about it. I'm not someone who really goes off and talks about it, these these kinds of things a lot. I don't, you know, I don't fangirl really publicly. And I was talking to my partner and I was saying, what is something that I'm always kind of going off on? And he, without missing a beat, was like, your mom. 
Oh, okay. You're obsessed with your mom. You love your mom so much. You you want to talk about her all the time. And I do. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, could I go on this podcast and talk about my mom? You could have. I know. I could have. She's really private. I don't know if uh, she would have dug that. Like not her. Not your story to tell. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, although there is a part of me that lo- I'm just going to put this out there now that loves her so much. It's always a danger that her and I are just going to go full gray gardens together. I'm going to move back to Regina. We're going to buy a bunch of bird cages and that's going to be a thing. So I'm just going to, that's like the level of love and connection we have. It's very, it's very special to me. That's great. But her favorite film mm. is Sense and Sensibility. Aww. And it's also something that I adore. And I think I adore it because I've watched it. 12 times through her eyes and with her in the room. And when one of us has the flu, we're just, we just put on Sense and Sensibility. So it's something that I really like on its own, but I also love that it, uh, it has a personal connection for me, too. So how old were you the first time you saw it? I, I saw it the year it came out. So I would have been, I think it came out in 96. I would have been, what's math? I would have been nine. Oh, that's a real good age, though. Yeah, it was kind of perfect because... The thing that's so great about the movie, I'll just get right into Let, it. Oh, we do not have time to waste. Okay. I, we have so much to talk about with this. Is that all of the sisters, all of the women, you can identify with one of them at any age. That's that's true. So my Anne with it was the youngest Dashwood sister. Oh, of course. Was Margaret. Yes. Um, and so that was my Anne at nine. Uh, but then since, and rewatching it, I'd say a couple times every few years, it, I'm identifying with someone new. Who are you identifying with right now? I'm identifying with Eleanor. I feel like the older you get, the yeah. more, because she's, she doesn't tend to suffer fools, but yet she puts other people, I feel, I don't know. I always feel like when I watch Sense and Sensibility, there's like this stoicness to her that mm-hmm. I'm like, you aren't putting up with shit, but you're putting up with shit for the greater good in this like very, do you know what I mean? Yes, totally. And you're like, oh, I relate to that. Like, all right, I got to be an adult, I guess. Yeah. But also being like... You, I don't, maybe it's just Emma Thompson in general that I'm sometimes also like. Oh, she's so disarmingly amazing. I can't. I feel like I might just in my head be like, I personally relate. Yeah, be like, to, I am her. And I, when Hugh Grant says those things, he's saying them to me. He's, he means it and love that history and the lyrics or whatever the fuck movie never <laughs> happened. This is the only world that happened. <laughs> and there's also so many scenes of her just straight up like budgeting. Yes. Which as a kid, I was like, God, can we skip this? Can Kate Winslet do some poetry in the rain? But as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, budgeting is so real. And I feel like there I've never seen scenes of just mother and daughter of families sitting around budgeting together, cutting out sugar, cutting out beef. That's just, I think, the grown-up worlds of um, sad, <laughs> like, of sadness. Because I have a new theory <laughs> that everybody in their hearts when they grow up is just sad. I know this sounds really depressing, but I mean it in, like, a way that's very liberating. Where you're like, when you're feeling sad, everybody... Everyone around you also feels sad. Like you're not the only person yes. who feels sad. No, no. It, right. Yeah. That. Yeah. Life is suffering, and life is here. Just, we are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we're doing our best. It's yeah. Okay. This movie. I think that's also why I think Austin in general seems to connect with so many people because all of her characters, except for like the shitty men, like there's always like one or two just like shitty guys in her yes. stories. Yeah. They're really just trying. Like they're just trying to get through the day. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're trying it from all different points of view. So some of them are trying to get through by – you have characters 
in Sense and Sensibility, like Mrs. Jennings, Mm -hmm. who are just trying to get through by devouring gossip and by laughing and by eating and by throwing parties. And then other ones who are trying to get through the day in this very stoic way that does not compromise their values while still kind of maintaining a place in the world. Yeah, like there's always that like escapist character. Like Lydia would have been that in like Pride and Prejudice Mm. where she's just like, whatever. Like, (laughs) yeah. Let's party. Yeah. And then there's like quiet Jane in Pride and Prejudice who's mm-hmm. like just diligent and just quiet and like inside herself. And um, But when you talk about watching this movie in your eyes now but then also through your mom's eyes, like how – like in what way? Like did, did she used to talk about it when she was watching it or explain? Yeah, she would. She would also just – take so much delight in the language Mm. and I feel like I was really observing her at the time even then even back then going like I think this woman's really cool like she's raising me and she's got you know a full-time job and she's going back to school and she's on the roof cleaning out the eaves troughs so already absorbing going like she's a cool woman Mm -hmm. what 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 is she into what does she think is fun and neat and just seeing her really delight in some of the kind of this sounds really nerdy, but it's who I am. Some of the kind of linguistic turns in the movie, and they became inside jokes in the house. Like, That's both so of cool. us going, like, if, if if someone's going camping in the summer or whatever, it's so hard to explain an inside joke. But then my mom or I going, like, oh, yes, I'm excessively fond of the cottage. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent notion. Like, just little turns that pop up in that movie. And before I even understood what I was saying, I was parroting them because it would make her laugh. Oh, so, like... I think, I mean, I, th- I think inevitably this podcast episode is kind of also about your mom because, yes. like, which I think is great because most of us love the movies that we're obsessed with for a very specific reason. It's always usually tied to something super, super emotional and super, like, the positive side of emotion. Like, you don't mm. rewatch a movie that, like, makes you be like, well, I remember that terrible day. Let's rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. Let's revisit this. Absolutely. So, I mean, which, and this is so fitting because I think, like, even Marianne and her, like, foolishness to fucking go in the rain and like I I was so mad even when I was a kid I was like get it together this is not the time I, oh, that's so interesting. I was born 96. I love this. <laughs> always mad. Just like I was always kind of like, oh, you Grant, you're wasting everybody's time. <laughs> but I feel like the film is such a great barometer for that, for who you find foolish. Yes. Because I, as a kid and then growing up watching it, I thought that was it. Very romantic. Yeah. Like when she's talking about what love is and that love's a fire that consumes you like Juliet and... And Guinevere and Eloise, I was going like, yes, girl, yes, of course, never having actually experienced it myself. No, and then when you do experience that kind of, like, emotion, it's actually horrible. And, yeah. Like, the best kind of love is not bad at all. And it's so confusing. It, and yeah. That, yeah. And it's like, I, anybody that, if you were to roll in now and be like, I'm having an affair, and it's just like Romeo and Juliet, I'd be like, Tess, okay, I think he might be, he's probably a drug dealer. Okay, and you need to, you need to escape him. Yeah, You're girl, get die. out of the rain. You're going to get the flu. Get out of the rain. Yeah. Oh, get my out to stop reciting poetry in the rain because you're going to give yourself typhoid. That being said, as much as I am like watching this movie, because I mean, I mean, Austin is iconic in so many different realms of like in, of romance, of like independence, of like a very specific kind of feminism, like yeah. all of it. Mm-hmm. There's still this stupid part of me that when Brandon rolls in and he's got like the carrying is happening. <laughs> I'm just here for it. Yeah. And I think to myself, and I don't know if I want, I don't know what that represents. I don't know. I think the movie represents a lot of things to a lot of different people. For you, clearly it represents 
memories with your mom, but then what else does it represent? Like, what else, may, when you watch that scene, even though you're like, I know better, but this is very important this to me. This is really speaking to some <laughs> part of me. Yeah. Well, the parts I get really emotional about mm-hmm. are less the parts with the dudes, which I think, right. again, is something that Austin does so well. Yes. And it is, it's the sisters. And it's the sisters kind of sounding off about basically how, how do you love? Mm-hmm. How do you love in the world? How do you, I mean... Often they're talking about romantic love, mm-hmm. but it then the conversation usually spins out further to just how how do you be, how do you love, and with one with with that kind of circling back to the title. So, do you love sensibly, or do you love without uh, without restraint? Which is something that like can resonate. Oh, forever, 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 and yeah. even when you do talk about the love between the sisters, like it does, it is peaks valleys because you can sometimes see like Eleanor get angry. Or, like, frustrated. Like, there's that, like, passion between... Like, not a romantic passion. Obviously, guys, I'm not a fucking asshole. I mean, like, (laughs) passion in that sense where it's just, like, you... Like, we all love our family members Mm. in, like, sometimes, like, fervorish ways. Or sometimes, like, you can hate them. Or sometimes you can be so frustrated with them that you're like, oh, my God, I fucking hate... Like, what the fuck? And then be like, but I love you so much. And that's why. Like, yeah, there's that... I don't know. I feel... Obviously, like, I didn't have brothers or sisters growing up. So I think, like, watching that play out, I was like, that's what my best girl friendships are all going to look like. Yes, exactly. Hold on. We're going to break because I've been handed a post-it. And it says mid-roll break. So here is that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, my God. Well, we did it, guys. We came out. Front. We did it. We're at, you guys listened to that break, that commercial. You bought it twice, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about how, like, the sisterhood and sense and sensibility can also translate into the sisterhoods that you may have as, like, female friendships. Mm-hmm. Did you find that – did you have any friendships that kind of paralleled that dynamic in the film? Or did you reserve the most special friendship slash relationship – with that of, like, your mom because she's the one that introduced you to it. I mean, it definitely paralleled the relationship with my mom more mm-hmm. with her being kind of the sensible one who's who's at the table budgeting, mm-hmm. which was something she did every Sunday night. Oh. Yeah, she made a chart before there was spreadsheets. Well, not before there were spreadsheets. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, before like, we had a computer. Before there was Excel. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was kind of the one that was like, I'm taking drama because I'm a dramatic kid. So there was that relationship very much and her going kind of like, um, you're, Tess, you're really intense. And me going like, don't ask me to be less emotional. Like every teen, like none of these dynamics are unique to us. But at the same time, it was it is really cathartic to see them play out in the film. Do you think that like, I mean, this is more unpacking like the story itself than it is mm-hmm. the movie. But like, do you think that the male characters are even really that necessary in Sense and Sensibility? Or do you think, like, the real love story is the one between the sisters? That's how, to be honest, I've never read the book. No, well, neither have I. Okay. For the record here, everybody, I have read one Jane Austen book, <laughs> and I, I, well, and we move on from that fact because I don't yeah. talk about it. Not no, I, I did not enjoy my experience reading Jane Austen. No, I like watching my favorite British actors 
yes. play her. And being like, out. oh, you were that ghost in Harry Potter. Correct. I'm really enjoying this. Colin Firth had a crush on him. Thank you, 1995. Yes, exactly. We, call, we thought he looked like a lion, me and my friends. We called him a lion around. But that's another story <laughs> for another podcast. And also called Why I Had no friends. <laughs> no, no. No, I had one, and she also called him lying. Well, it's a shame that we never met because I'd have been, been like, lying around, up top, girl, let's be friends. Uh, what was I saying? The, we were talking about whether or not the male characters are necessary, oh, you think. It seems to me like Austin, I don't know if this is across the board because, like I said, I'm not an expert, but it seems like circumstances and, and, and the male characters are things to just draw out qualities in the women. That's very – I think that's accurate. Yeah. Because I remember way more – I'm just going to call them by their their actors' names. I think (laughs) – because they're my best friends and that's fine. That's good. I remember Kate Winslet and her lines and her scenes a million times more than I remember like Hugh Grant scenes. Oh, 100%. Or if I'm thinking about a scene that Hugh Grant is in, I'm thinking about the way Emma Thompson reacted to it. Yes. And you see the evolution of the characters throughout the film – in their interactions with men, but it's it's all about their response to them. So they respond one way in the beginning. They have an arc. They evolve as a character. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, she responds a totally different way. So how did this movie and, I mean, first, who's your favorite character? Like right off the bat. Uh, I have to say Kate Winslet. Okay. Because I just, oh my God. Yeah. I also, after seeing this film, wrote her a fan letter. <gasps> really? Yeah. Did she write back? No. Oh, that's, I mean, she was a teen. Oh, yeah. And also... I, I think it was nonsense. Like, I vaguely remember writing, like, I do I do drama in, in my school, and, and I think it's great that you do drama, too. Like, it was kind of like we could be friends in this way that's really insane. She's a full decade older and a famous person. Well, she could be our friend. Maybe she's listening right now, and she's like, this sounds like exactly the kind of person I would be friends with. <laughs> oh, my God. I know you're kidding, but wow, that really spoke to not a deep kidding. place in I'm me. I'm not kidding. I'm not Kate. Get a hold of Tess. Kate. 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 Stop it. You call Tess right you now. Call you call me. Find me right online. <laughs> uh, and also told her in the fan letter that she, I thought that she had a beautiful singing voice. And I was oh. like, I, I bet she doesn't hear this enough. She probably doesn't. Because she sings two songs in Sense and Sensibility. And it's it's like, it's stunning. Whenever they sing in a Jane Austen film, though, I, I can't. Like, I get, I'm not good with vulnerability. And to me, singing is like one of the most vulnerable things you can do. So I can't just watch someone go for it in a living room or whatever the fuck. Yes, totally. Because I'm you like, imagine? sit down. People are looking at you. It's like when Lizzie sings in Pride and Prejudice. And I'm like, yeah. And it's, it's just like, stop it. Please, Please stop. stop. Please stop. Please How do you stop. do now at a party when someone pulls out a guitar? You're like, I need to go to the bathroom for 45 minutes. First of all, I don't go to parties where that could ever happen. Okay, so that's good. First and foremost. Yeah. Number two, if it does happen, I'm calling the police. The guy's a cop. I don't. I'm telling you, pick up your guy. He's <laughs> fucking exposed himself. Yeah, right. Nobody here wants to hear your weird cover of Wonder Woman. There is an arc in the house. Please come remove him. A hundred percent. Got it. So, I mean, listen. When I think about you as a person, because I mean, I've only met you a couple of times, mm. but I do know that, like, as you, you did mention, you went to school for drama, like, yada, yada. <laughs> do you, does this movie, like, did the, first of all, did this movie shape your decision to get into drama? And B, do you ever use it as sort of like, I don't want to say inspiration, but kind of like to draw from while you're acting now? Like, do you, is it in the back of your head as that kind of like, I, mean, I want to do this, I want to do something like this, I want to make something this powerful and important? Oof. I mean, oh, speaking of vulnerability, I'm really blushing. Yes, it did definitely influence me going into 
going into theater. And also, like, when I was really early choosing monologues that I was going to learn, oh, this really, like, I'm instantly back there to being, like, a theater geek. I just, you just like, Macavity running really through my head. It's so <laughs> humiliating. Um, but I, I, would, I would kind of learn monologues and then try to imitate things I thought Kate Winslet would do with them. Like, even to learn them in a British accent. You know what, though? I don't think you're alone there because the difference oh, is you were doing that horrifying. in school. I was doing that at recess, basically, after right. seeing Titanic too many times. Oh, my God. I'm right there with you, too. Like, I think when you're young, the only way you know how to, like, appreciate something is to try and be it. It's to, it's to put it on. It's, yeah. It's <sighs> like, it's it's like you, you escape into that, and then you think that because you're doing what it is that they're doing, you're... You are that you have that power. You have that like that strength. You are you embody all of like the things the character is and you embody all the things you think the actor is. Yes, right. And then that means you get to not be yourself for a little bit. And mm-hmm. when you're growing up, being yourself fucking sucks. It's so hard. And I think it's also at a time when you're trying to figure out what are the possible things I could be. Yeah. Because you haven't really encountered your personality yet. You're forming it. Yes. So I think you're like, okay, if I pull a little bit of this, if I try this on, could I be a bit British? Could I do what Madonna right? did when she came back from the UK? Many do. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And so that's kind of a way of sorting that out. And that this film and her specifically Kate Winslet's performance were, were big parts of that. Well, I remember being like when I first saw it thinking and this is like it's not true because I think at the time Emma Thompson's even like younger than or around my age now. But I remember oh, thinking crazy. she was old. Like, yes, I think she yes. was like very old and I didn't relate to that because she looked too much like my mom. And <laughs> right. I was like, well, I don't you're not fun. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yes. But Marianne. She's out there, like, in the fucking rain. Like, she is doing it. And yeah. it's like, you don't want to be that. And then, because, I mean, you want to be all... The character that's most extreme is usually the character that's easiest to escape into because they're the furthest of who you are. Yeah, right. And it's also the most... She's the most intense. She's the most heightened. Yes. So then it's easy to go, like, whew, I'm going to try to be that heightened, be that dramatic, Do be you that think- emotional. Oh, absolutely. Is there any, like, moments that... That really resonated with you as a young kid that now you watch and are like, oh, my God, what the hell's wrong with you? I mean, the part where she there's a there's a part in it where she's making Hugh Grant read poetry aloud. <sighs> and she is that it's it's truly sends a chill up the spine. And but at the time I was like, yes, absolutely. She should be putting this man through his paces mm-hmm. and teaching him how to do a strong dramatic reading. Mm-hmm. And now and now I'm like, no, stop, Kate, please. Like, <laughs> do not make him do it again. And she gives him notes and then he tries to take them. And it, it's it's it's. It's ridiculous. And at the time, I thought this, it was a serious scene. Well, and going back now, I'm like, oh, this is very comic. It is opposed. I think because when you're young, you think that, like, love is this weird of, like, ew, it's almost like like a little chameleon where you're just like, you have to do and be all these things. And you have to take everything in. And you have to, like, you teach someone something. And then they do it. Yeah, they right. Listen, and they become what you need them to be. And like, da-da-da. And now you figured out where they're lacking and you yes. filled in the blanks. And they like always how unhealthy. remember that it was you that yeah. taught them this thing. And you're like, no. <laughs> now, I have something controversial to say. And I did mes- mention this in our Facebook correspondence, not to brag, but yes, we've had Facebook correspondence. <laughs> but I don't feel the chemistry, though, between any of the love the lovers. For, yeah. I don't know if that's just me kind of like my childhood self still thinking like Hugh Grant was like grown up and then like Ellen Rickman was really a grown up. Oh, yeah. So I definitely wasn't looking at him with any like hearts in my eyes. 
But I never – even watching it now, though, it's not the same as when I watch, like, Pride and Prejudice, the BBC version, where Colin mm. Firth and Jennifer L. just always seem so in love. I don't feel like any of these characters feel like they're in love with each other. But I also can't tell if this is just me being – remembering everything from when I was a kid. No, I know what you mean. I feel like the chemistry between the romantic couples doesn't – jump through the screen the way the chemistry and the relationship between the sisters does. Right, and exactly. I think I always gave it the benefit of the doubt because I was like, this, come on, this movie's perfect. And was was just like, well, I think that that's a very private experience. Like, I think that the lesson, lesson, who knows? I'm piecing this together right now. Is, is that a, This is the lesson. Everyone listen. Everyone listen up. Get your pens and notepads out. It's time. Is that love is actually a very private experience because the really public love that Willoughby and Marianne have the very, like, demonstrative, classically romantic love. Turns out to just be, um, be like, bells and whistles. It's not, it's not real. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the love between the couples that do end up working out, where you're intended to believe that this is the real deal, it's quite private and actually doesn't end up that demonstrative, doesn't pop through the screen. Yes, which I think, which is the healthy kind of love, I think. Mm. Like, I mean, again, it'd be really weird if you were just like, ah! And I'd be like, have you been dating him for like through, like a million years? And you're like, we love each other. We have a blood oath. I'd be very weird out by that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but like, and yeah, but it's, it always everything. I think also because I keep bringing up Pride and Prejudice, but that was like my obsessive Austin movie. Um, yeah, fair. And my nana and I would watch. See, I think it's a it's also like a maternal relationship mm. thing too, where my nana and I would watch it, and. Um, I always remember, like, you got, I got butterflies for Darcy and Lizzie, like, just being like, oh, like, kiss, kiss, kiss. Yeah. Like, I was very Kathy Geis in that 30 Rock episode. <laughs> and then with this, it felt mostly like, like, they kind of slip into relationships that feel like maybe 10 or 20 years in, that quiet, comfortable, yes. sort of, like, it's beautiful and it's yeah. important and it's wonderful. Like old men playing cards together in the home. Yeah. And you're like, that's love. And they, like, go to, like, they walk to the mailbox at the end of the driveway still. And, like, it's very cute and lovely, but it isn't, there's nothing about this movie, I think, that screams, like, take your clothes off and, like, fuck. No. No. No, that's true. Which is, I'm not saying there should be. I think that I think it's beautiful that there also this kind of love is being celebrated. Yeah, that is really true. That there's like a lust element that's that's kind of missing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it could be that Hugh Grant and Emma Thompson go on to play brother and sister in love, actually. Yeah, and so they're just already prepping for those roles. Yeah. Like we can't get too deep into this. And Alan Rickman goes on to cheat on Emma Thompson in love, actually. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. It's all a bit. Yeah. Isn't it big weird? British kind of. I don't want to say incestuous because I love hmm. it all too much. But. Yeah, then yeah, and, and also they're actors and yeah, they're not related. They're doing their job. Yeah, and that's fine. And that's what actors do. Do we have a moment to talk about the bonnets? We have. Yes, we do. We have. I was about to be like, we have more time. Like, no, we do have time. We do have time. I just wanted to give just a really quick shout out also to the bonnets in this movie because they are truly insane and incredible. The the mother, the matriarch of the Dashwood family yes. is constantly wearing a full footstool on her head. Really? Yeah, it's like a full tumpty, I like, like the... Little Miss Muffet sat on. Like, it's... Oh, it is, yeah. Like, it's like... It's I insane. Thought, it's like, it's very extravagant. Yes. Connoting wealth. <laughs> yes, connoting, denoting. Connoting extravagance. Uh, there's also a lot of really good straw bonnet action happening with, like, a single ribbon. Oh, that, the pinnacle. Yes. That's the pinnacle That's of, like... the pinnacle of a bonnet. I did you go? You can th- just all give up now. No, yeah, everybody, put on, take off your bonnets unless they're made of straw, and <laughs> burn them immediately. And yeah. When we we'll go to the we'll just whatever. I have nothing else to add to that joke. It just kind of died as I was telling. It. It's <laughs> fine. Did you go through a phase as a kid though where you tried to dress like them? 
Uh, no, not so much. I was having a full kind of, I was having my own full Reitman's Hutterite All right. fashion situation. Okay. But I did wear a lot of floor length skirts. Did you ever feel like, I was going to say, did you ever feel like a Dashwood? But we all have felt like a Dashwood. At what points do you remember explicitly channeling a character in your youth to try and like grow Ooh. up in a situation? That is a really good question. The The only thing that comes to mind is, I don't know what it was about, but I remember having a tantrum in, oh, you know what? I, I used to have like a floor length nighty. Me and my mom had matching, I'm really outing myself here, matching floor length nighties with like the kind of detailing around the collar, kind of puffy sleeves. And I remember at bedtime having some kind of crazy tantrum in my flannel plaid <sighs> oh nighty where I was like crying and I was super upset about whatever a, a preteen is upset about. Everything. They're upset about everything. Yeah, everything. They're yep. just like, my body yeah, everything is, is the awful. subtext, but what's coming out is like, you don't get it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and thinking like, that there was something really beautiful about this display of emotion, oh. which I'm sure was connected to, uh, which was connected to the whole, you know, being groomed by sense and sensibility and wanting to be Marianne. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she's like, she kind of sets the benchmark for like dramatic teen. Yeah, she really does. I mean, she is, if she was a character now in a film, she'd be Ladybird. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Emma Thompson would be a bit, a bit of the mom. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. 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 We've really gotten somewhere. This is this is why this, these conversations are so fun. Because everybody, when you get people talking about stuff they really give a shit about, it is the best. And I could, t- I wish that I hadn't been like, let's make them short podcasts. Instead. <laughs> now I'm like, I'd like them to be 47 hours long per topic. Well, buckle up, listener. This is the first <laughs> marathon. Nobody cares. Welcome to Serial. My producer Dana and I have been. <laughs> we found Emma Thompson's house, and we're going in. <laughs> Okay. I mean, this is usually when I do rapid fire now, though, about your topic. Oh, great. Oh, so, no. like, here we go. Okay. Okay. I mean, just let's just start right now. Um, Alan Rickman or Hugh Grant? Oh, Alan Rickman. 100%. Yeah. Character or person? Both. Oh, yeah, same. Uh, well, especially person. I, I mean, the colonel in the movie is going to buy you a piano. That's a real bonus. But regardless, you get Alan Rickman, so I'm good to go. Which um, carrying Marianne moment did you... Uh, think was most romantic. Oh, ouch. I'm going to say something really horrible and that the one where she sprained her ankle and not the one where she has typhoid. Because the one where she has typhoid, I was a bit like, girl, get it together. Don't stand there till you make yourself sick. But when she rolls her ankle, it's like, that's just like, I've rolled my ankle before. We have all rolled our ankles. It's a bit more practical. It is a bit more practical. Although I still feel like I'm like a D-bag enough that I would be like, put me down. I can do it. I can do it myself. <laughs> and I cut open my finger. I try to take myself to the ER. He's <laughs> so like, I don't need anyone. And then I'm right. bleeding all over my kitchen. I'm like, I need to call my dad Oh, now. no. Call me next time. I'll carry yeah, I'll, you. Yeah, it was fine. You can get you better. I yeah. have a sore finger. Girl, I will. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> um, favorite fashion moment in the film? Please Ooh. and thank you. Favorite fashion moment? I mean, it definitely... Okay, I'm going to come back to the bonnets. It's a moment where they all come in. They're all wearing their straw bonnets. And they're so panicked because they're getting a gentleman caller that that they're trying to take off each other's bonnets. Oh, my God. So, so it's like all these women just kind of like fidgeting with Ooh. ribbon. And I, I really adore that. I also love a braid to go to bed. <gasps> yes. Like I'm just like I always like I would love to braid someone's hair before they go to bed. I would love to like the, that whole situation just has a real um, cachet for me. And I think 
Austin films do so well, like the sisterly bedtime moments. Yeah. Like where they're like sharing a large bed. And I, as a kid, you're like, this is so great. And I'm like, now as an adult, I'm like, no, they were poor and they could only afford a bed. And yeah, that's why I had all... that same thought as a kid. I was like, I want my best friend to sleep with me every day. Yeah. It's like a sleepover. Did... And then, and now it's like, oh no, please don't. Did you have brothers or sisters? And I've got a brother now, but he's only seven. Oh, okay. This is very so this much is after like, the fact. You were like, we were truly living the same but different lives. Yeah. You were just over in the prairies. Yeah, it's true. This is so, I'm wondering, this is why we are the way we are. <laughs> this is yes. why I love attention and you're an actor. Yeah. Workout. I love attention. We need it to survive. Um, okay, Marianne or Eleanor? Oh, hard to say right now. I have to go Eleanor. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to branch out and say, like, whose career trajectory out of Kate and Emma's do you, like, <gasps> look at and are like, oh, that is just, a, yes, standing up, applauding. Both. Really? Got to go full on both. Okay. It's a time. All right. I just wanted to shake things up a little bit. No, no, okay. it's good. Yeah. Anything would be too incendiary uh, in my own world. I understand. Okay. Um, what's the biggest lesson that you've taken from Sense and Sensibility? Uh, probably to stick to, oh, it's so, it's so cheesy saying it out loud, but I believe it. it. Okay. Just to be yourself and, and that good things will come from that. If you, if you connect with your core. That's lovely. (laughs) We're all sobbing. (laughs) This is getting very intense. Alex is crying the hardest of us. I rewatched it last night and I cried no shorter than, uh, seven times. What part do you cry at the hardest? Uh, Anytime the music comes in, I'm just like that chord progression. So familiar. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a bit much. Uh, what part did you love as a kid that now as an adult, you would, you would have shot differently, done differently, acted differently, et cetera. Oh, there's a really insane shot where it's like two secondary characters. Lucy Steele is telling Fanny, who's going to be her sister. This is all very confusing. It's not important. But the it shot. Important. Okay. She's telling Fanny that she is going to be her sister-in-law. She's been secretly engaged to her brother for a very long time. And then Fanny just freaks out on her and hits her with a chicken. Um, the hit with the chicken moment is amazing. But the shot going into it is crazy. It's like we're in Mindhunter suddenly. Oh, my God. It just like really slowly like pans into both both of their faces. Oh, I remember that. And it does it three or four times. It's weird. It is very weird. It feels like you have the flu when you watch it. Yes. Like when you you have a fever. Yes. Yeah. Or when they're doing something like you see a playback of a moment three times, but it's continuous. Yeah. It makes me feel not well. Yeah. And then we're out of it by the time she's bidding her with the chicken. It's like they let someone direct it for a second. Yes. It was just like, let me try. And, and that like, someone was David Fincher. Yes. And he's like, I just want the chicken scene. And I'm like, okay, David, will <laughs> yeah. you leave? Yeah. Ang Lee was like, I guess I have to do this. And he's like, I got to go you. make seven now. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he got very turned on into seven because of this. <laughs> How's your relationship with your mom evolved um, with the movie, oh. throughout the movie, et cetera? You know, you know what that question means. Yeah, totally. Good. Still, when I go home, we have the same old lines that we pull out. Excessively fond of the cottage. Excellent notion. This is very merry. It's just, uh, it's like part of the language that we speak around the house. And I think it's part of, this is, I'm really, this is so cheesy. It's part of our love language. Oh, that is not cheesy. Do not apologize for these things. This is I guess this, so. No, that's lovely. <laughs> Especially because, like, obviously your mom meant a lot to you. And to have something that's, like, actually tangible that you can not only, like, talk about but reference but also show people and then that way it kind of gives us a little glimpse into like mm. what seems like your most important relationship it's pretty flippin' important Which i was is, gonna say fucking you can but she wouldn't like it oh oh sorry yeah. so that's if just she's for listening her. she probably thinks i'm very coarse i'm so sorry no no it's austin good. would hate me <laughs> so i'm lydia 
<laughs> through and through. <laughs> Married eight soldiers and they've disgraced us, me and my family. But what a life you've lived. But what a life I've led because they were all played by very handsome actors. Exactly. I still think Rupert, what's his face? Not Grint. Anyways, Kieran, Everett? Yeah. Uh, no, Kieran Knightley dated him because they met on Pride and Prejudice and he played um, the soldier that ends up running away with Lydia. Oh, right. And now I don't he's on know. Homeland. Somebody, uh, whoever's listening is shouting his name right now. And yeah. And are just like, I mean, we're going to get 18 ads. That but are then like, you can have them on and they can talk about Rupert Blank. Oh, I would love it. Or maybe he's listening. He's like, my name is. <laughs> he and Kate Winslet. They're like, what? They're, they don't respect us. We respect you. <laughs> we really do. Okay. Well, this is where I get to say, um, tell me, tell the world where we can find you. Like, other than standing right behind you. Yeah, right behind you at my house, showering. Just kidding. Uh, I am online on Twitter at Tess Dagenstein. Uh, also, I'm doing a bunch of shows at Bad Dog Theater, teaching at Bad Dog. And I've got a series on CBC Digital coming out next week called Earthling House Huntress. Sick. That's quite fun. And, yeah, that's probably lots. Yeah, no, even more. Instagram, hello. Instagram's also just my name. All my handles are my name. You just keep it simple. I know. It's not like the MSN Messenger days when I was like, delicatess in was like a classic one I was very proud of. Bless your heart. See, I feel like you aged into somebody like very classy as like a teen and 20-something, and I had stuff like, bitches better keep their mouth shut. Or they're like, yeah, what's coming to them? (laughs) And it's like, then I would go fight in a bar called Filthy McNasties, which is... (laughs) What I have done. What was your first email address? Um, Just really quickly. Okay. Uh, Mocha Fresh, which was because <laughs> I had a cat named Mocha, and I don't know why my best friend and I called him Mocha Fresh, but I was like, this sounds reasonable. And then it went into, and, but it was mostly ICQ names. It was like, you know, Lil Blonde Hottie, <laughs> Sexy Blonde Girl. I'm like 15 at this time. Yeah, sure. It paints a picture yeah, of what absolutely. was going on. We were all doing it. I mean, I got in a lot of fights because of ICQ. Sure, we all did. I, did you? I can't imagine you fighting. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, no, I don't. We would roll up to a party and be like, we're the girls we hated and would be like, it right. was bad. Yeah. And I was home watching Street Legal with my mom. I would want to have been doing that, but I was like, I have to go out tonight or else I won't be friends with them anymore. <laughs> I get it. Listen, that's its own podcast called Decisions We've Made That We Would Love to Erase From Our Memories But Can't and Now Are Forced to Live With Daily. <laughs> It's also serial. It's also it's also serial. My producer Dana and I. <laughs> anyway, Tess, you are a dream, and also this conversation could have gone on for another like hour and a half, and I would have been really really happy. Oh, it's so nice to be here and come this back again. Podcast is great. I love oh, it. Thank you. Also, though, for real, come back again. Like okay. I, I'm not one of those people. It's like, well, you've been on already. Unless you suck. If you have, sorry, if I have told you, you can only come on once. I didn't like our conversation. You got to go. Yeah. <laughs> away from me forever. Anyways, <laughs> um, that. Wraps up this episode of Nobody Cares. I'm Auntie Donahue, who is your host and creator and I guess um, the god that I hope you worship to every night. Remember, you can go on the website, which is in the uh, iTunes and podcast area, and you can tell me all the things that you love and are obsessed with that nobody seems to care about. And then we can shout them out here and, um, you know, make that magic happen if you're into cliches. I hope somebody's into cliches because I just made your dream come true there. So anyways, this was Nobody Cares. I'm Auntie Donahue, and I will talk to you next week. So now let's hear what you guys care about, which, by the way, you can get on too. If you go to my website, nobodycarespodcast.ca, you can either phone in or write in, and we can talk about all your obsessions that are not shared by the rest of the world. Anyways, here we go. Here's our next batch. 
Since 2003, my wallet has become a lot lighter. Yes, that was the year the mint stopped making the penny. Call me strange, but I loved my pennies. I felt rich when my wallet was filled with coins. Other people would actually throw their pennies out. Can you imagine? And can you imagine my delight when I found these same pennies lying on the ground? Plus, I love saying penny for your thoughts, which of course is now so passe. And saying nickel for your thoughts just sounds stupid. Plus, now we have to contend with rounding. Who wants to have their bills rounded? Seems like attending a math class at every checkout counter. I tell anyone that will listen, but still nobody cares, which makes me feel like a penny waiting for change. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.